What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at WWE. Guys, I know it has been a while. It has been several weeks. I know that I really passed the date where I said that we would be back on the air, but we are here. It is a new beginning for the podcast, and I am very excited to introduce to you guys someone I'm very excited to work with, build this thing with. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hi to Natalie Zamudio. Natalie, welcome to MMA Daily. Welcome to your new show. It is a double act here. Thank you for being part of everything. Just talk to me. Just thank you for joining me. Yeah, Gabriel, I am so excited to join MMA Daily. Um, I can't believe I'm going to be able to talk to you every week about MMA. I'm so excited, and um, I hope the listeners enjoy the new show, for sure. Yeah, so for fans who are not familiar with you yet, you do have your own website. You have been a longtime fan of mixed martial arts. Talk to me about your site and just, I guess, just really how you follow and how you provide content for the sport of MMA. Absolutely. Yeah. Longtime fan of MMA and other combat sports as well. Uh, the website I have is called the straightpunch.com. I write mostly editorial like op-ed pieces and I'm starting to do interviews as well. So I'm uh, just trying to build the brand and really excited to be able to go all in on uh, one of my great loves, which is MMA. Awesome. And of course, we will be getting to know you a lot more as the weeks go on, as we get on the air some more. But definitely, Natalie, you know, I just I really want to point out for fans who are wondering, you know, moving on with the show. I was very excited to work with you. I saw that you are someone who is very one. You had a great energy about you when I met you. Two, you are very passionate about the sport. You can see that in your content. You are just genuinely excited to have a conversation about mixed martial arts and for us to share it. And really, that's why you really stood out to me and just really want to emphasize that again. I'm very excited to build this one with you. So I look forward to this show and, of course, many more episodes to come as we get started. So let's do it the way we always do. We are getting done with a fight night this past weekend. UFC Phoenix, the UFC's first official night on ESPN television. Obviously, they've had a lot on ESPN Plus now, but this was their first night on big ESPN TV. And honestly, Natalie, this card didn't disappoint to me. The main event, though, to get it started, Kane and Francis, less than 30 seconds. Um, before we talk about X's and O's on how it went down, the knee. Do you think that's what, how much do you think that was a factor? Because there are people who said Francis Ngannou hit him hard enough. The knee didn't matter. Other people are saying Kane might have recovered, but he hurt his knee. Where do you stand on it? I think Ngannou hit him hard enough. If you, you know, I know it took like 30 replays for, for the folks to actually find the shot, the angle where you can see that like shovel hook uppercut torquing Kane's head. Um, it did enough to Kane's body where he, he didn't have the, the strength in his knees to, to sustain the blow. I think in his head he was probably okay, but the shock was too much. It buckled his knee. Um, I think it was a combination of both things. But ultimately, 
the knee wasn't gonna the knee being injured wasn't gonna allow him to fight back in a in a meaningful way he was just gonna eat more shots on the on the canvas there so i'm i'm happy with the call the fight being called when it was but it was just anticlimactic as heck for sure uh, i agree um and ganu hit him good now, was Cain Velasquez out? I'm going to give credit. No, I don't think he was when he hit the canvas. Do I feel like he was reacting more to his knee than the actual punch? I also agree with that. That being said, that this, this is how the fight goes. By the rules, and Ganu won fair and square. He hit him clean, and I'm going to give him credit too. Do I think that Cain Velasquez might have been able to cover up and survive a bit? Yes, but I'll tell you what. People aren't talking about this. Ken Velasquez's knee is fine. He still probably ends up on his back after that big shot. And Nganu is a very powerful, very dangerous guy. We're still under a minute. He could have easily followed up and done damage, and Ken Velasquez still gets out of there. So I know a lot of people are going to break down the knee and just was it big of a factor. You can't count out Nganu. Kane wanted to get in there with him, and Nganu did clip him clean. That was the next thing I want to talk to you about. I was very shocked that Kane kind of wanted to mix it up with him very early on. Uh, he was going for high kicks. He was trying to just trade hands. I would have thought if he's going to stand early, chop away with some leg kicks, try to really just take that cardio out early. Maybe he was trying to get Nganu thinking about punches so he could go for a takedown. But I got to say, for that 30 seconds, it surprised me just how much Kane wanted to stay in the pocket with him. What about you? I agree 100%. I think Kane agrees too. He he said as much at the end in the in the interview there. He shouldn't have engaged so quickly, so closely. He should have kept some distance, you know. This was his first time back in the cage in like almost a thousand days is a ridiculous amount of time out of the cage. He should have been more uh conscious of of, you know, getting his legs under him getting a feel for being back under the big lights before he jumped in to try and brawl. It was definitely an error on his part. And uh, if he had just been a little more patient, we could have seen a, a, a completely different fight. I mean, Stipe uh, fought Nganu in that first round. It was a super exciting fight, but he was way more patient, uh, chose his shots more um, wisely and Kane, I mean, if he had just given himself even 60 seconds to get warmed up, would have made the world a difference. I agree with you completely. Um, and I think the most unfortunate thing, at least in my opinion, I thought that Kane Velasquez physically, he looked good. He looked like he was in shape. You see some guys after the layoff, you know, just in their body, they're not quite, they don't look quite as powerful. You feel like there's just not as much muscle they're not as lean they're not as cut you could tell that it's been a minute in my opinion I thought Kane looked personally he looked ready to go and I think that was the most unfortunate thing because we thought that this one was really going to keep going but that's just going to be how it is we'll get get back to Kane in a second but Francis Ngannou this is now two big wins he stopped Curtis Blades in under a minute Curtis was obviously on a great win streak Cain Velasquez was regarded, but, and we'll talk about DC, of course, later on in the show. That's one of our stories. But where does Francis Ngannou go now in the heavyweight title picture? So he says he wants the belt and, you know, a shot at the belt and nothing else. He doesn't care who has it. 
Um, he says, you know, if Stipe had the belt right now, I would fight him. But, you know, DC has it. So that's all he's waiting for. I don't think we'll see him anytime soon unless he gets that title shot. Um, I'm not sure he's going to uh, be successful in that in that bout, whether it's Stipe or, or DC. But um, I think he's going to hold firm. I think he's really uh, has processed the power and the, the level of fame that he's achieved in MMA. Having that loss against, you know, Stipe the loss against uh, Derek Lewis, having to bounce back from that psychologically, I think he's more ready than ever to embrace the the big spotlight. And he's going to wait for his chance to really showcase what he has. Now, uh, I get where you're coming from. Personally, I think he's got another one to do. And this isn't to take credit away from his victories. He did just stop two very tough guys in, you know, devastating fashion once again. But when I think about DC, let's say he comes back, maybe. I I can't see DC coming back before the 4th of July show. I really feel like that's the earliest we're going to see Daniel Cormier. Even if he were to ask a genie for a wish for his health, UFC is just not going to book him any sooner than that. I just can't see it happening. So if you're talking about, let's say, DC were to fight a Brock, a Jones, a Stipe, one of these three guys who you know he has his eye on, He's not coming back, you know, at best until about October, November, possibly even December for his second appearance of the year. I can't see Nganu waiting that long. I feel like other guys could try to set up a case to leapfrog him. Uh, Derek Lewis in particular, Junior Dos Santos. I think that he's really going to have to take one more fight. I personally would want to see him take on the winner of Lewis and Junior Dos Santos coming up. I want to say this one is scheduled for March. I feel like that one would make a lot of sense, especially if it's JDS. I think that if Nganu were to fight JDS in particular, I think that one would say, hey, DC, you can chase super fights all you want, but you know who's the dangerous guy right now in the heavyweight division. That's it personally for me. The Derek Lewis fight, just because um, maybe it wouldn't be a main event somewhere, but I still think that if you get that belief back in Nganu again, you might be enticed to maybe run it back. I feel like people feel differently about them than they did last July when they had that uh, disappointing fight, if you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. The way Nganu's riding high right now, if you gave him Derek Lewis, I think he would absolutely give us the fight we were expecting the first time around. And, and JDS is actually a pretty exciting matchup, too, because, because Dos Santos is such a skilled boxer. And what I think is one of the keys to beating Nganu, if you're going to stay on your feet, is head movement. JDS has that in spades. Definitely, definitely. Let's talk about Kane a little bit. People are very excited to have him back. I do think the heavyweight division is more exciting with him in it, for sure. And um, where does he go from here? Uh, Natalie, I'm going to say this. I would have felt a lot better about saying this had he won, but I'm not completely opposed to a fight with Stipe. I feel like DC just has his, has, let's just say it, bigger fish to fry in terms of money that I still think that Kane and Stipe could be a big fight. I am keeping in mind that Stipe is still coming off a first-round knockout loss. I'm not opposed to that fight. And I feel like, you know, that storyline gets get DC, for Stipe, get DC to like, hey, 
Now I'm taking aim. You don't want to fight me. I'm going to beat up your boy. I feel like that storyline really works. If we're trying to give Kane a little more of a quote-unquote tune-up, then I think that guys like Alistair Overeem would be a possibility. Alexio Linick. Those are some options. But what do you think the future holds for Kane Velasquez? So I think with his knee, I mean, is it known yet if that was an MCL tear or is it still unknown how serious the injury is? They haven't ruled it yet. I think that's the worry, but they haven't announced anything. Okay. So depending on that, I mean, depending on how serious the knee injury is, we wouldn't, I don't think we'd see Kane anytime until we wouldn't see him anytime, you know, in this quarter or the next, maybe end of the year. If he comes back in 2019, I feel like his body is telling him to stop. Um, And I know that this is probably just me alone in this world thinking this. I think he should listen to his body, even though physically, as you say, he looked amazing. He looked really fit. He had more muscles than I recall ever seeing on him before. Um, But let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say he, you know, he sticks around, he recovers from the knee injury. Um, A tune-up fight, I think, is the right move. Um, I don't think he should go back into the hot, hot fire just yet, even though the storyline of Stipe is really exciting because, yeah, it's his brother. It's DC's brother. That would be great. Um, Let's give the guy a little bit of a chance to warm up and uh, get his legs back under him, you know, so to speak. No, I gotcha. Look, it was a great night in Phoenix. Uh, The Paul Felder, James Vick fight was good. Zinte Luque against Brian Barberina. People who watched that one got their money's worth. Oh, my goodness. Um, They did indeed. (laughs) Yeah, it was just a fun night of fights. There were a lot of good finishes. Cron Gracie breaks the drought for his family since 94. A lot of good stuff going on. The division was really developing. I know you had your eye on Andrea Lee. She got the victory. I think that she moves into that top five, so to speak, in the the developing flyweight division for a title shot. So a lot of good stuff going on. And, um, yeah, just I think a successful night overall for UFC on ESPN. They wanted a big night. And even the stacked card in terms of, you know, compared to Henry versus TJ, I think they did a great job personally, so I was happy with it. Yeah, I think so. If you're looking at um, trying to bring in new fans, it was a great showcase of all, like, different types and levels of skill sets that exist in MMA from, like, you know, submission, grappling, brawling. um, And then also, hey, freak injury, that's part of the show too. So it was a pretty well-rounded package uh, that they put on. I, I do want to point out one thing. And I know this is just scheduling, and I'm 99% sure it wasn't ESPN's call. They were a little in trouble trying to get the general sports fans going directly against the NBA All-Star game on TNT. And so I do think that that one, ratings, they haven't come out yet, but I do feel like they might be a little bit misleading because you are up against such a major event. And I think that might be the only thing that hurts this one from being, you know, it was a home run, but it wasn't a grand slam, if you get what I mean. I get what you mean. I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but look, it was a big weekend in MMA. The other big fight card, obviously Bellator 216, Michael Venom Page, Paul Daly. And I saw a tweet from one of my friends. They said, remember when we were excited about this fight? (laughs) Those were some good. And, you know, let's say very bluntly, Paul Daly, after they have an uneventful first round, 
And then Paul Daly is just looking to grapple with Venom Page, and everybody is just like, what the heck is going on? Um, there are a lot of people, I understand if you feel like you got a little cheated, you were being sold a grudge match where they are going to get after it and hit each other with bad intentions. I understand if you're not happy with the fight. I am going to take another uh, view on it. I think that this says how much Paul Daly wanted that fight. I think that after the first round, he felt like he wasn't going to be able to get in and brawl with. And he really, look, he wanted to win this one. He didn't want to make the mistakes he usually does. That he decided, you know what, I am going to go after this guy. And that's why we saw such a grappling-based approach to it. It didn't work out. MVP escaped when he needed to. He did damage. He got the right positions when he needed to. Look, I think the right guy won. I don't think it was controversial, but I do got to say that's why Paul Daly fought that way. He didn't want to lose that bad that he was willing to go against his very nature and actually grapple that man and cheat all of us out of the show we were expecting. Natalie, back to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bummer is like I was and looking at my notes like every every other word is just what a bummer this was. I mean, you know, we had Adesanya Silva uh, what a week or two ago and that was yeah. you know, not the like video game fight we expected but it was still very exciting still very satisfying but here you have you know Michael Venom Page Paul Daly they're in their primes they both hate each other they're both from England the expectations were sky high um, and like this was also going to be a very big showcase for Bellator I think Scott Coker probably was thinking this is going to really put us on the map if we showcase these two fighters um, I think Paul Daly is going to look back and regret playing it so safe against against MVP. I totally understand your point and, and why he chose that that strategy. It was a very tactical strategy. Um, but when you take into account how he himself reacted when he fought John Fish, it's like, okay, what are you uh, what are you doing here, man? Like, is is the the win? Well, I guess the answer is yes. But I wish the win hadn't been so much more important than. A good win hadn't been so much more important than a good fight because it was definitely a letdown. Um, for the sake of the tournament, I'm glad MVP won because going forward, I think he's still the more exciting fighter, the more exciting personality. Um, it's hard to imagine when he faces off against Douglas Lima that you know they won't both be more inclined to deliver because of how disheartening this this fight was. I don't think another of them. I don't think either of them wants to add another boring fight to the tournament. But yeah, overall, big bummer, big disappointment. I mean, just yeah, the 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 um, the anticipation of the fight was way more entertaining than the actual fight. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Um, the question, and this is more like on a personal level, but I guess if you're Paul Daly, you're walking back to the locker room disappointed. You're asking yourself if you were gonna lose. Would you rather have lost that fight or would you rather have lost in like the first or second round trying to stand and bang with MVP and getting reckless? I guess that would be only Paul Daly because he probably asked himself and it probably occurred to him, man, if I was going to lose, I would have at least rather stood and bang with him, try to put hands on him. Only he can answer that question. But um, this was Paul Daly had his moments. Paul Daly won some of those rounds and he was he made MVP work for it in terms of the grappling exchanges. So it is what it is. It was a bummer. And um, I think the Douglas Lima fight, I 
I know that people are like, what if it's boring again? I don't think that that'll happen twice personally. So I'm with you and I agree with you that MVP, he is that guy. I think a lot of people are hoping to see him and Rory in the final and myself included, if I'm being honest. Yeah, me too. That would be the ideal situation, the ideal scenario there for the end of that tournament. Yeah, so a lot of good stuff. Um, the cards itself, you had uh, Czech Congo uh, beating Vitaly Minikov and already Ryan Bader's responding to him. You had good stuff there. Valerie Lareda got the win. Um, Krokop upsetting ne- Roy Nelson. A lot of good stuff. But, Natalie, it was a very weird weekend in MMA. So you had the knee injury on Kane that people are going to keep talking about. Obviously, Paul Daly's fight. Then the night before, 15 seconds in, Matt Mitrione hits Sergey Karatanov with a low blow. The fight ends without any real punches thrown. And then even in Invicta, like an hour earlier, uh, you had Pearl Gonzalez against Vanessa Porto for the flyweight title. And Pearl just has gets an eye poke on Vanessa and the fight ends due to that one. It was, I guess, so many consecutive I don't want to say controversial, but just odd endings in major promotions. What did you think about that? Yeah, odd endings for sure. I mean, this was a a weekend that was going to be, you know, first we had three nights of fights because we had uh, the ESPN card on Sunday. So it was so hyped, at least in my mind, I was like, this is going to be amazing. And all these main cards were like stellar main cards or main, yeah, main, main, main event fights. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's just like, hey, man, guess what? It's just another big bummer. I mean, for Invicta, it, it the fight wasn't the most thrilling fight. But, you know, they were kind of going back and forth. It was still clear to me that Porto was winning the fight before the eye poke. I think she was going to win on decision. It looked like he was going to the judges anyway. It didn't look like either of them were going to finish each other. But yep. um, the split eyelid, I mean, that's no joke. That was a pretty... A gruesome injury of the three, you know, for comparing the Bellator, uh, the low blow, the Kane's, Kane's knee, and then the eyelid. This was the worst one, uh, yeah. know, right on the eye and the way it, it just finished right over the eyelashes. Um, <laughs> just bizarre. I hope she's okay as far as, you know, them being able to repair it and uh, her being able to continue without having to worry about it popping open again. Um, I got to say the low marks for the fan that was like shouting profanities at the end um, oh, yeah. and chanting, let them fight over and over again, <laughs> because um, I mean, we you know, I don't know if they could yeah. see it on the big screen, but it was, there was no way that fight could keep going. Um, that, that's a good question. I'm not, uh, I'm just say very bluntly and Victor, smaller venues, not all of them always have the big screen for an instant replay. That is a very good point. Yeah, yeah, um, they probably couldn't see it. Um, and then the the Bellator, you know, low low blow. Look, I, I've seen, uh, you know, you and I both have seen Fedor up close. Uh, Russians, you know, they're they're tough as tough as they come. They don't flop. So the pain was real on this on this poor guy Karatanov. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. You know, I feel for both of them, but but mostly, I feel for Scott Coker because yes. this should have been an amazing setup um, to an even more amazing night. Uh, fight the next night and both of his main events ended up being duds so it it really was um i i feel like one uh, uh for sergey uh ice and elevation sir um 
I saw the funny one. Uh, Kat Zingano was talking to the media about her eye, and she said, I would rather have, I've had kids, and I could tell you I'd rather have 10 kids, you know, give birth to 10 kids rather than go through the eye injury again. That's how Yikes. much it hurts. So that's a lady saying that. So I, I give her respect on that one, to be so honest. Uh, yeah, it would just, I didn't even know what to say. I feel like if you were a fan on Friday night for Bellator and your main event ended that way, I I would feel a certain way about it, for sure. So I do feel for the fan there because I've been a paying customer and I know how I would feel if that happened. But it's like lightning in a bottle for it to happen on so many consecutive cards. It really was, but... Look, it's not just one fight. They had a lot of good action throughout the night. So I think you got to look at it big picture rather than just focus on those disappointing main events in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Moving on to talk a little more Bellator. These, they've been talking about it. There have been rumors, but it is official. And today they even had a poster saying it's in Chicago. Lightweight champion Michael Chandler will be taking on the moving up featherweight champion Patricio Ferreira, a.k.a. Pitbull, at two, Bellator 221 on May 11th. Natalie, impressive stats. Both Chandler and Pitbull are tied for the most wins in Bellator with 16 and most championship victories with six. The winner is going to break the tie in a big way. Um, look, what are your thoughts on this fight? So, you know, exciting fight. I, I like that. Bellator is having more of these big like marquee events you know they have their tournaments and they're talking about another tournament and I think the featherweight division um and and now this champ champ versus champ uh fight Patricio is you know he's tough he has a knack for exciting comebacks but you know the only reason you need to come back from something is when you get into trouble to begin with and I don't think uh Michael Chandler is gonna let himself get into trouble with with Pitbull so Chandler's really cerebral. I don't think he's going to get into a brawl. He's definitely down to scrap. I mean, we've seen him have those moments where he'll slug with you, but he's always going to take a step back and and reassess and and always also rely on his wrestling. Um, I can't see him fully engaging in a stand-up with with Pitbull, but regardless, like I think it's just going to be an exciting fight. So I'm I'm definitely excited for it. And, uh, you know, Pitbull's moving up in weight. We'll see how much of a difference that makes for him. Maybe he'll perform better. A lot of fighters do. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, to me, that's the biggest one is that Pitbull is moving up. Um, Chandler for Bellator, he's kind of like, I I feel like in terms of champ versus champ fights, this is kind of like the Stipe DC in terms of the fact that Stipe, even for a heavyweight, he wasn't like this big, huge, lumbering guy. He really is very technical and very dangerous. And I really feel that way about Chandler. Like, is he going to be this slower plotting fighter? No, that's not who he is. And I really feel like stylistically, he just matches up very well with Pitbull. Pitbull, you know, I know not a lot of people give him the credit that he's due, but he is a very athletic, very powerful guy, very multifaceted. But once again, you know, he's great at 145 for a reason. He gives up that extra pop, that extra power that makes him dangerous at 155, in my opinion. So, like, for example, he fought, uh, who was, uh, I believe he fought Benson Henderson. If that fight were at 145, I think that Pitbull would have 
just really run through Benson personally. I think that he's that good, but he gave up quite a lot to Benson, and that's why you know it. Um, he didn't. He wasn't doing the damage that I think we're used to seeing him do. So against Michael Chandler, who's also a gamer, who's also you know can get into a battle with him, I think that's going to be the key personally. I think they're both multifaceted. Pitbull's jujitsu, Chandler's wrestling. I think they're pretty even in the stand-up, but the size and the power and the athleticism of Michael Chandler, I think, gives him the edge right now. I'm sure we'll see how Pitbull looks moving up when we get to May, but preliminarily, I think that's the biggest obstacle to overcome, the size and the power of Michael Chandler. He's not just a bigger guy. He is just as, if not more, multifaceted than Pitbull. That's the thing that stands out to me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I do think if you're Michael Chandler, this fight makes a lot of sense because he's cleaned out the lightweight division. I will say bluntly, I think that the Bellator lightweight division is the one that struggles the most with depth. And part of that is Michael Chandler's already fought everybody. Another one is a lot of these guys, they kind of take each other out of contention before they can really break through anymore. And that's a very tough one. I want your take real quick. AJ McKee is 13 and 0. I know they also announced that he's fighting Pat Curran, but I also feel like, you know, Pitbull, he kind of still has some business. I feel like he takes this fight and he avoids fighting a very tough young kid in AJ McKee. What do you think about him and leaving 145 for a minute? Especially with possibly a tournament coming up at, you know, in the fall. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I, I wondered how will that affect the tournament that, you know, there's sort of rumors about. I think Coker's sort of confirmed it, not officially, but I think he has. Um, yeah, he confirmed it on Ariel's show okay. uh, Monday. That's right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that is sort of interesting timing, but I think maybe it could have to do with Chandler's history with, you know, Patricio's brother. Maybe he figures they have this tournament, I'm going to go handle business and avenge my brother's loss and then come back and finish uh, whoever's left in the, uh, in the featherweight division. I guess to me, there's the AJ McKee's the top contender. So when we talk about a tournament, yeah, that's, that's fun. That's nice. But you're talking about 16 men and quite frankly, Pitbull's already beaten them all. You're really just fighting for a top contender in my opinion at uh, featherweight. So that to me was a little confusing. Also, if you're going to have a featherweight tournament, you got to have AJ McKee and Aaron Pico. But let you would put put it this way: if they keep winning, they're going to be in a scenario where they would fight each other. They've already said multiple times they won't. I've talked to them personally. They said it's not happening. Everybody's hmm. saying they're just not going to do it. They would rather walk away. So. I guess that to me doesn't make sense unless it's Pitbull fighting the winner of a tournament that doesn't have either Pico or AJ, in which case I feel like what's the point. But that to me, the logistics, that's, you know, the short of it. I am confused by the logistics of Pitbull moving up at this particular time, as opposed to maybe later in the year, for example. Yeah, actually, you you framed that correctly and it's uh, i hadn't thought about it that way it is a little bit odd um maybe they're just looking to fill a spot where they need a big some big names uh i don't know yeah the the pico mckee thing is a bit odd too i mean would it be fair to structure the tournament so they don't have to you know face each other unless 
they they destroy everybody else i don't know <laughs> that that would be weird and it wouldn't be a fair tournament and that and that at that point um yeah i'm not sure that is a little bit bizarre not sure what to to make of the reasoning there the only thing i can think pitbull will fight mckee if mckee beats curran and pitbull comes back to 145 win or lose i think that pitbull fights mckee and the featherweight tournament is designed to find the contender for after AJ. That's the only way I see this thing working. And that's in- throwing Pico in the tournament, but give AJ the title shot. That's the only way I feel like, you know, the least amount of, uh, what is it? Um, well, collateral damage to the featherweight division. That's what I'm looking to say. That's the only way I see it. But we'll find out. And of course, we will be talking about it right here on MMA Daily every week, wherever you listen to your podcast. All right. Going back to our, or sorry, going forward to our next news story. UFC now, it's weird to say not double champ, if I'm being honest, because he hasn't lost. But, you know, at least currently, uh, heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier confirms he is pushing back his retirement. And Natalie, the thing for me is that he said for weeks or months that March is it. March, I'm calling it a career. I don't need this anymore. My family, et cetera, et cetera. And now he is saying that because of his nagging injuries, he still wants to fight again. He's pushing back his retirement to stay. What do you think of the news? So I'm actually not surprised that he's pushing back his retirement only because he's so he's too much of a competitor to just call it quits because he hit the date on the calendar. Uh, you know, he told Luke Thomas on the MMA Hour in a really good interview, by the way, that he doesn't want credit for just showing up. He wants like meaningful competition. He wants to perform in a meaningful way against that competition. So I think retiring in March was his in a perfect world scenario. Uh, I think the point really was that he just wanted to go out on top and on his own terms key is his his own terms he can still do that in 2019 even if it takes him to the end of the year to finish things out um i'm you know i think he's doing the the right thing he's not just going by the calendar he has a little bit of fight left in him um and i'm I'm excited that he's actually gonna break his own word i am too i feel like there was you know, like just his health, there was already question. It's like, is he going to fight in March? And it's like, have you seen him keep talking about injuries? He ain't going to fight in March. (laughs) Like that's not going to happen. You know, even if he was going to fight Brock Lesnar, it wasn't going to happen. So I always felt like he would push it a little more, but that he would say, this is my last one. He was still vague. In my opinion, he didn't say, is he coming back to finish his UFC contract? Is he coming back just to have the big finale against a Brock or a John Jones? That is still up in the air. And I do think that was done on purpose because I'll just look. I'm still young. I don't know what it's like to sneeze and throw my back out. (laughs) I'm going to do a lot of yoga in my life to hope it never happens. But, you know, when you're already having that happen, I can't say that wanting to prolong your career as a heavyweight fighter in the UFC with guys like Stipe, Francis Ngannou, et cetera, et cetera, I can't say that that feels very enticing. So I can't say that we're going to, with confidence, that we'll actually get more than one. So that leads to my next question. I, like, we, like I said earlier, 
I can't see him coming back earlier than the July, the 4th of July mega card that they always do. Um, I'm going to put that one. I think that if all goes well, that is when we'll see DC. But let's say, hypothetically, that's the last one. What do you think of him saying he still wants Brock Lesnar as opposed to obviously John Jones, number three, or possibly Stipe? What do you think? Uh, so I am probably the only person on earth does, that does not want to see DC fight John Jones again. Um, look, Jones beat him twice. The second time, you know, the first time went to five, I think. The second time, DC was actually getting the better of him. Then he got the head kick. But when you lose to, to an opponent twice, I feel like that's it. Why do we need to see a third one? You know, rubber matches are for when the fighters go back and forth, one win over each other. This is two, two, two to zero. Um, I just don't want to see it. Also, personally, I just love DC so much. I don't, I don't want. Look, if he if he does fight Jones and he beats him, what an amazing like Rocky four victory, right? But. <laughs> You know, the likelihood of that happening, I don't know. And I don't want to see him go out on another Jones loss. He's 40 also. He doesn't need to be cutting to 205. Um, Here's what I want. I want, you know, DC to either fight Stipe or Brock. I know Brock is kind of like a touchy, like not, you know, WrestleMania, uh, WWE, MMA, meets MMA kind of subject matter. Yeah. the, The hardcore fans of MMA. It's like it a be... special event, not a consistent fight. Yeah, it's like an exhibition fight. Yeah, it's like when Apollo fought Drago, right? If, if I'm staying on my Rocky <laughs> Four uh, comparisons, but I um, love that. Yeah, it's a great, great movie. Um, um, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing DC fight Brock for the spectacle of it. Um, I think it would be cool if Stipe rematches in Ganu on the same card that DC fights Brock. And then you could see, you know, DC's next and final fight could be the winner of that match between Stipe and Ganu. Um, you know, that's sort of what I see, what I would like to see, um, because I'm just taking Jones out of the equation for myself. But, um, you know, DC, if he does that or even just has one fight and goes out on top, he would be like one of the like there's no equal to him in MMA because I would I would say at that point he's done things that no other combat sport athlete would have done, like just wrestling, Olympics, strike force, UFC, and then the commentary. And, and I'm throwing that in there because, because I don't know who else has done all of that in, in, in MMA. So I, uh, I want, I want to just see him come out or retire cleanly on top. And, and that's why selfishly, I don't want him to fight Jones, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. If you count just his broadcasting career, um, he's already fantastically set up. And then you take into account that he's arguably one of the top four or five guys ever, um, even with the losses to Jones. It's just crazy. Um, With the John Jones part of this scenario, this is so tough because I also love DC. He was my unanimous pick for fighter of the year last year. And the thing for me about it is that at the end of the day, uh, DC has done all this to rebuild, you know, like his reputation after the John Jones thing. And I have always said this, and you'll probably hear me talk about it a lot more. If you are a follower of the show already, you know, I've brought this up, is that DC, one of the best things that happened to his popularity was John Jones self-sabotaging himself. Yeah. Because... 
there was so many fans. It's like, you know what? Yeah, you're okay, but you've never beat John Jones. The second John Jones, you know, rolled down the hill, everyone, suddenly there was that sympathy. Suddenly people were on the DC train because DC was the guy and they felt a little betrayed that all their investment in John Jones several times just got thrown away. I feel like if he were to fight John Jones a third time and lose, possibly, which you got to say it like it is. John Jones is a dangerous guy. I would expect him to be dangerous at heavyweight also. It would really, I know it doesn't change the fact that DC won his fights, but I feel like it would undo a lot of the work that he did for his reputation all time and his legacy to take that fight again. Now, look, like you said, it would be epic if finally on the last night of his career, he finally stops John Jones and everything else that's been going on. I just feel like for all that he's done, it feels too high risk, low reward for all the reason you said. John Jones has already beat him twice and DC's been able to rebuild his reputation. That is the one thing for me now. He's a competitor. If he wants to get after it, I am all here for it. I'm going to pour myself the proper 12, get the popcorn, order the pizza. I'm ready for it. I just don't see that happening. Um, For myself, I really feel like the Brock Lesnar fight, DC has earned it. He's showed up. He's been through the John Jones dilemma on the other side of the coin, and he's been waiting for it, that if the UFC wants to put together a super event, I think I'd rather see that rather than a Stipe rematch or an Nganu fight. I think that one is the one to make, in my opinion, personally. Yeah, I mean, if we're, yeah, and your question was just one fight, right? And so, yes, if, if there is yeah. just one, I'm with you on that. Brock Lesnar, that's the last one I want to see. Yeah. Um, let me ask you very bluntly. Do you think it's going to be one or do you think it's going to be multiple? I think it'll be two. Two? Yeah, I think okay. he'll have two and then he'll be out. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think that um, I'm prone to agree with you, but I think it's going to be his health after this one. Like if he, let, let's say hypothetically, he comes back 4th of July, whoops Brock Lesnar, and he's, he breaks his hand again. He talks about, well, you know, my back is still feeling tight or whatever. I think that he'll call it a day because it's like, you know, you already rolled the dice against Derek Lewis on a month's notice. You know, at 40 years old, you, you now you're kind of you're kind of just pressing the button a few too many times, hoping that you're still going to come out big. So that would be my thing is that if his if he gets a few more nagging injuries, if he breaks his hand or something, he might call it a day at one. If he's completely healthy, I think it's going to be two. Also, that's how I see it happening. You know, what? that makes sense. Like if he sneezes wrong again or coughs too hard after that one fight yeah there there would be no reason to come back and i think uh as you predict he would also just well he would walk away at that point yeah and he doesn't need to do more like even if the jones fight is on the table i just the age thing it's another thing I, he just doesn't need it i and i wouldn't want to see it unless you knew that dc was a hundred percent healthy wasn't gonna be compromised out there that would be my last thing for it so, yeah, a lot of stuff. But, I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm glad he's coming back for one more. So that's going to be a good one. I think so, too. Yeah. Moving on, it is another UFC fight night coming up. I know that after we've been on ESPN and the run they've been on, it's hard to get 
completely, you know, like, yeah, full speed. But they do have a very good fight in the set. I was mispronounce it. The Czech Republic <laughs> in Prague. We have Jan Blahowicz against Tiago Santos. Um, Natalie, the big thing, I feel like just because Jan hasn't been on TV a lot, like his last few fights have all been on Fight Pass or the prelims. People don't realize just how fun this guy is. And he's taken on probably the most exciting guy, not named Justin Gaethje and Tiago Santos. So I'm very excited for this main event. Talk to me about it. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, I mean, Tiago Santos has, you know, Thor's hammer tattooed on his chest. <laughs> so that, like, and, and you know, he's he's probably looking to send Jan to Valhalla uh, with the, with that. But I think... <laughs> I um, love this. Uh, I think Jan actually... I was I went back and I rewatched some some fights. And so I saw Jan versus Jimmy Manawa and Santos versus Manawa. And so it was a very interesting comparison. So Jan actually showed a lot of patience um, against Manawa uh, as compared to Santos. Like that first round between Santos and Manawa was like slugfest. They were just going after it. Um, and even though the, and I'm saying Jan, is it Jan or Jan? I don't know. I think uh, it's Jan. Jan okay. Even though when Jan fought Ma- Manuel, they were, they were actually exchanging pretty heavily. They both got bloodied in that fight. Um, he was more patient and, uh, and uh, he, he was, uh, showed some restraint. He had explosive brawls, he even, you know, clinched a little bit against the cage but he was way more patient uh, Tiago Santos I don't see being that patient kind of dude so at the very least we're going to see a super exciting fight um, I think Santos has the edge because he's just a I mean just a scarier dude to me in my eyes uh, Jan has a chance if he doesn't go full brawler um, but I think it'll go Santos's way ultimately but ultimately ultimately it's just going to be a great fight I, uh, I think this one will actually deliver in a way that these you know, these three main events that we've been talking about weren't able to this weekend. Yeah, you know what? If I'm Jan, uh, I think, ironically, it's similar to Kane and Ngannou, in my opinion, because I feel like Jan can stand with Tiago. I think he's tough and he's a gamer. But if you ask me, I think, you know, bell rings, rush him and clinch and try to get this one to the floor. Just make that a non-issue. If you're going to stand, stay to the outside, chop at him with kicks. Don't stay in that. I I know he would love to just, you know, go out there, stand, bang, knock out Santos, call out the winner, John Jones, Anthony Smith. I bet he would love to do that. You got to get out of your own way with some people. And I think that Tiago Santos is one of those people. I think that it would just be, Bad idea for a guy who just can't match him for speed, in my opinion, in Jan to stand with him. I agree with you. He's a more patient guy. I think that he uses more of his tools than Tiago. And I I would just say go to that. Put it all together. Make yourself more unpredictable. Force Tiago to get to the third, fourth minute before you start trying to exchange a little more. Make him... Make him get reckless. Stay out of his way. I think that would be the biggest thing because Tiago, you know, as much as I enjoy watching him try to, you know, break you down like Thor against Ultron, you kind (laughs) of got to take your time, you know? And I think that Tiago will burn himself out trying to chase down Jan. Um, That being said, Tiago's faster. Tiago just 
even against the man in the Manoa fight, I thought he'd get tired. He seemed like he still had a good amount of gas going in through that one. Uh, it's tough to, for me to see Jan surviving. I feel like Tiago is ready for the shot. He's ready to pummel out from the clinch. And I think that he's ready to just use his speed and power to get, get the job done. I'm also predicting Santos. Late in the first, I think that he's going to have to defend Jan's early strategy, but then he's just going to put that sequence together and hurt him and get him out of there. What about you? How do you see him winning? Uh, I think, yeah, I think Santos, I think um, I think he might actually get, go into the second round. So I think it'll be TKO round two. Ooh, all right. So I like how we're getting started. Our first show together, and we are in accordance. We have Tiago Santos to take out Jan Blakowicz. We'll obviously be recapping that next week. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about the upcoming event. Which one is it, I want to say? Oh, yeah, I, I forgot. Because February is shorter, I can't believe this is already going to be here. UFC 235, John Jones, Anthony Smith. I'm glad we're here, Natalie, because this is such a good card. I'm excited to talk to you about it. Jones, Anthony, Woodley, Kamaru, uh, Ben Askren, Robbie Lawler. It's going to be so much fun. So I'm really glad that you're here. And yeah, you know, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be back. We're back to the same schedule that you're familiar with every week on the air. We're going to be talking about it. Natalie, once again, welcome. How was your first show on MMA Daily? I hope I, you know, didn't give you too hard of a time. No, absolutely not. Not a, not a, not too hard of a time. It was a blast, actually. I really love just talking about all this MMA, uh, all this MMA stuff. Um, it was a true honor to be able to to have this conversation with you, and I look forward to to all the conversations we'll be having in the coming weeks. Uh, you know what? Likewise, I'm looking forward to it. And of course, guys, we're always going to, you know, we're ready for your questions. If you guys ever want to send them in, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Natalie, where can the fans find you on social media? So Twitter, Instagram, it's the same handle. I am at straight puncher. Um, so yeah, please uh, feel, feel free to reach out with any comments, questions. Happy to, uh, happy to respond. All right, guys. And as always, you can find me at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week.